0: At the heart of every ETL pipeline is, well, the T. So today, Sean and I are joined by Cheyenne, one of Ascend's field data engineers, to chat through data transformations, the hows, the whats, and how many times transformation equals translations in this episode of Data Aware, a podcast about all things data engineering. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Data Aware Podcast. I am joined once again by the person who I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I am kind of sort of bribing him and making him join me for every episode this season, and that would be Sean Knapp. So, Sean, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad that you're accepting my bribery and and joining us for everything.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me again. And no bribes needed. This is definitely one of the the highlights of my day and week. So I always enjoy coming on and uh, and chatting.
0: Well, good. We appreciate it. We enjoy it as well. It's always very fun. I say we, I enjoy it. And our guests usually, other guests usually enjoys it. And I hope the listeners enjoy it. They keep coming back. So that's always good. And today we have another guest. We have another ascender for everybody who we're super excited to talk to. He's a part of our field data engineering team. So some of you listeners may have actually chatted with him before. So we have Cheyenne, like I said, from our, data inter- our field data engineering team on the line. So Cheyenne, welcome. Hello. Hello.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: How's it it's going? It's good to be here. Good. It's going
2: great. This is my first time ever on a podcast. So I'm super, super stoked about it.
0: Woohoo! Well, we promise to be kind and we promise to not surprise you with too many hard questions so you know we'll give it a shot I can't promise anything for Sean he likes
2: just throwing the zingers in there so let's see how this goes
0: yeah I'm not totally sure what's going to happen with Sean you never know he, he just it's likes being crazy Sean's a
2: little suspicious so I'm embracing <laughs> myself
0: <laughs> yeah a little bit shady over there never know what he's going to do when keep it, prepared. yeah when it comes to the questions um but we I am I am actually I say this with every guest, and I know I need to stop saying it. I have a really bad habit of doing this, but it is always because I am so thrilled with the guests that we have on with the particular topics that we have set forth. I'm super thrilled to have the two of you on to talk about this particular topic, which again, if folks have been listening over the course of the last several episodes, you will know that for the most part, we've been going back to the basics and really looking at some of the foundations of data engineering. and You can't do a whole lot of data engineering without talking about some data transformations. And so that is what we're going to dive into a little bit today, uh, which is why we brought Cheyenne on, because he is one of the ones that's working a lot with our customers and helping them do things with the Ascend platform. And so he's working a lot with them on making sure that those transformations are working. So he's got a lot of really killer insights. So with that, we're going to dive into the topic with... As we were joking earlier, what seems like it should be a really easy question, but maybe is, maybe isn't. For those of us out there who maybe are newer to this space, what is a data transformation, you guys? What is the 101 level of a data transformation? Who wants to go first?
2: I guess I can go first on that. Oh, I like when it. When you mentioned this question, the first thing I thought about is what I kind of explained to family members or other people about, like, what I do and what Ascend does, I kind of explain it such as, like, you pick up data from one place, do stuff to it, and then put it somewhere else. So when I think of, like, data's transformation, it's the do stuff, to the data. I like it. And, you know, that usually works in helping them understand. They don't ask a lot of follow-up questions after that. They're just like, okay, cool, that makes sense. Thanks, you want some dinner? But, <laughs> you know, if I, <laughs> if I think about, like, what... Data transformation is, from what I've seen, it's really just you have your data coming in in whatever form it is. You've ingested it, you know, you've eaten your vegetables. If a reference to the last podcast which I listened to, <laughs> yeah. But once you've done that, you kind of have an end goal for this data, or like you have some sort of use case for this data, and it's really taking data on that journey of point A to point B of turning it from this, you know, not necessarily unusable, but like this format that you don't really needed in or you that doesn't really work for you and transforming it into something that does which is you know it's in the name data transformation that's a very high level explanation i think works for me sean
1: yeah i, I mean I, I think i love yeah. the simplicity of, of probably not but i can definitely fill words with the best of them you know i i think the the simplicity of that is, is really quite important, which transformation is the all-encompassing, whether it's ETL or ELT, it is the act of doing something with your data and is the incremental step towards making it more valuable and more reusable. Towards what end goal obviously uh, depends based on your particular business use cases, but it is very much the You know, I would contend where we apply our intellect as humans, where we take the goal of what we want to accomplish and work back towards what we have with the data and start to incrementally move it closer to that end goal.
0: So let's dive a little further down into maybe the 201 level, which is and I think you both touched on this a little bit. Why is data transformation important in the grand scheme of things? So if companies have data coming in just to ask the just to be really blunt about the question if companies have data coming in, why aren't they only ingesting the data that they want? Why would they need to transform it? If they have the data coming in, surely that's the data that they want. So why isn't that just the data that they're using? Why would they need to transform it? Let's, why aren't they just using their data?
2: This question is my parents
0: who don't understand what we do.
2: <laughs> we can go first, again, on that, but I think more, more often than not, anyone ingesting data is going to be ingesting it from a place they have no control over how it's formatted you know, whether you're pulling data from an API or, you know, you're getting data from a different source or even just another source within your company that format specific way, you know, sitting in a blob store somewhere, more often than not, it's not going to be in the format you need it to be. So, you know, using that data right at the gate oftentimes isn't possible and you do need to do some sort of transformation on it, whether that's just, you know, filtering out you know bad data Doing any sort of data quality checks, doing some sort of aggregation on the data um, downstream. but it's more so just you know, like we mentioned before, it's getting that data to a place where you know you can work it, where it works for your end goals. And you know data sources are really varied in how they work. You know let's say you're working with an API and you're getting JSON data. you, you know, if you want to pipe that downstream into like a warehouse you're going to need it in some sort of a csv format something more columnar it's really about making sure that the data you're getting works for your needs and you know understanding you know why understanding why this data is important to you and also making sure it works and is really just you know actually useful for your use cases and businesses
1: yeah you know I mean. Before the podcast, we were all even talking about some things we were doing earlier on today, and I can certainly share, and I think topical example as this morning, I found myself waking up very early and myself building data pipelines, obviously in a you but know, I think there's a couple of very interesting examples of data transformation, even in just what I would consider to be the fairly straightforward and, and simple style of data pipelines. Uh, that touch on a lot of what Cheyenne is uh, highlighting too. For example, I'm ingesting uh, a bunch of data to create a pipeline around user activity uh, in the Ascend product. And first, this data is coming from uh, log streams, from different deployments uh, of Ascend, gosh, across all three clouds, all sorts of continents and uh, different regions and zones, and it's collecting all this data. But the data actually comes in in a different format than we generally like to work with in big data systems. The data is coming in in a log format style. It has some JSON structured objects inside of what is a larger log format, Uh, but it's largely just text data that's coming in and it is semi-ish structured as is often the case uh, when you are coming from what would look like more of a traditional backend system that's just logging user activity. As Cheyenne highlights, different systems speak different languages or have different structures. So a backend system is generally just adding in log line after log line after log line. But once we start to do what are more analytical style and warehouse style operations on that data, we want to take it from the JSON, you know, GZIP compressed files into more columnar structures. We want it to be in parquet files where we can do really rapid analysis uh, on that data in a structured format uh, with big data systems. So as we ingest that data, we then transform that data. We don't even necessarily modify a lot of it. I definitely did it in my first step. But instead, I'm simply saying, take a bunch of this JSON data and convert it over here. Decompress it, obviously, convert it over here, and then put it in a columnar format, so I can do really efficient queries on that data based off of specific columns. And so that's really the the sort of first step. Another example I'll give uh, too that we do is in those sort of incremental improvements. This morning, one of the things I was looking at was uh, not just uh, not just individual activity, but specific builder activity: users who are taking specific types of actions to create, update. Uh, Different data sets. And so, another really common example of a transformation may be to filter out data that you're not uh, interested in. So, not only did I first transform that data and get it into my system into the right format, but then I can say, hey, I'm specifically looking for people who did create, update, delete style operations and all the other style of, of events I'm not as interested in. So, that's another kind of data transformation that hones and refines the data set that I'm working on. So there's a couple of, I think, fairly straightforward examples and, and two there are probably common across a lot of data teams.
0: So riddle me this, are there different kinds of transformations? I mean, so we've talked about the different, the reasons why. So data can come in in different ways and uh, you got to get it into a different format, which goes back to, as Cheyenne referenced, the, you got to eat your vegetables, which means for those of you who haven't listened, go listen to our ingest podcast, because that's ingesting your, or eating your vegetables, which means you got to ingest your data. It, you've got to, so you got to do that. And it all comes in different ways. So you got to transform it so that you can get it in the structure that you need it. Totally makes sense. Are there different kinds of transformations? And I can imagine that maybe different kinds can mean different programming languages. So you're writing maybe a transformation in SQL or you're writing a transformation in Python, or you're writing a transformation in, I don't know, Java, or maybe there's some other different way of thinking about transformations that I'm not thinking of, but, you know, is there just kind of like one Set kind of transformation that everybody sort of focuses on, or are there different ways people need to be thinking about data transformation? Sean, you go was, first this time. Oh. Don't, oh, well, Cheyenne can go first. So just he keeps oh, jumping in. And oh. I appreciate that. Nobody <laughs> no, else does. The they all make Sean go first. <laughs> so now I'm gonna make Sean answer first. But no, Cheyenne, yes, you man. certainly
2: can go first. It's okay, I'll pass it back to
1: Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so there's a, a number of different kinds of data transformation uh, that happen. And, and to put a more sort of specific list or set of kinds of transformations that we see, you see it oftentimes actually as part of data pipelines, you'll flow through a handful of different types. For example, your early data transformations are going to be data extraction and parsing of data. In the previous example, I, I, I was uh, mentioning you're reformatting it, you're extracting certain fields out of the JSON blobs that you find interesting. For example, you may be parsing and, and looking for a specific value as part of a larger blob of, of data. After you go through those, uh, those early stages you try to get a little bit more structure to your data, you oftentimes then get uh, into a handful of refinements uh, of that data. You may uh, end up filtering out different pieces of data, you may end up mapping Uh, different fields and values. For example, there may be a really wide array of different activities or scores a user could have, but really all you're looking for is, I want to bucket my users into one of three categories, low, medium, high activity, for example. And so you're mapping uh, fields into specific values. And these are sort of those incremental refinements uh, that you'll see. You'll also see uh, enrichment of data, as well. Or you may say, hey, I have a bunch of my user activity, but I don't know very much about the user in that activity stream. But I have a bunch of user metadata over sitting in a different data set. Let me enrich this data by looking up that user data as part of that other data set to build a a more detailed view of that user. So that's actually adding more and combining data together. The next stage that we start to see a lot of users go through is what i would call the uh, cross uh, record correlation sometimes it's aggregations analytical style operations like count how many users of a particular time uh, did uh, x y or z uh, we'll also see uh, correlation of events uh, for example uh, this morning i was sessionizing user activity i want to know uh, are these distinct user sessions or are they the uh, the same user session? And so you need to correlate one record, one activity of a user compared to the next, the previous or the or the following activity to see how long of a time gap there was in between those two. And so the transformation that happens there is actually an ordering so that you can get in cluster events nearby uh, each other. So that's where you'll see the further down in the transformation logic you get, the more transformations you, you provide, you you kind of go down this path from just basic restructuring and reformatting to enriching and expanding the data, and eventually then to either uh, correlation of that data or full out summarization or aggregation of that data. Yeah. So that, that helps provide some, some structure.
2: You know, when I kind of look at the use cases that our customers have, and what kind of jumps out to me in terms of transformations, it's a lot of what like Sean talked about. It's those two very distinct steps of first, you know, filtering, enriching all your data, and then actually doing some sort of aggregate aggregation types, correlations. And something interesting I've noticed, that just came to mind, was kind of when the enriching also turns into its own form of ingest which is I've noticed with a couple of our customers do, which I didn't realize was a big use case, but it's really for that data that you're in the process of transforming data, you're actually ingesting more data, aka calling an API for that specific record or batch of records to ingest it. You know, we'll have customers take some data and in order to enrich it, they'll batch it, send it through an API and then get some sort of, either that API is throwing some value back or it's actually a machine learning endpoint that is running analysis on that data. So for me, that's kind of really interesting use case that I had never hit before, before coming to Ascent, which was, you know, it's transformation and enrichment of data, but you're actually also, it's a form of ingesting data. So I think when it comes to data transformations, there is sort of like a breadth of things you can do. It's a very, very wide topic of what you can actually accomplish and what you can actually do with your data.
0: So, is there a standard process that folks should think about when it comes to transformations or a standard process they should think about not using? Um, you know, full disclosure, part of some of the pipelines John was working on this morning had were things that I had asked for, for, for marketing stuff, um, or at least I think that's what they I hope that's what they were. <laughs>
1: We'll and see soon enough
0: we'll see soon enough right exactly and I think that it's not unusual it's not unusual that marketing might need data uh, hopefully marketing needs data data should be data marketing should be data driven um, and so I think what typically happens is marketing says, hey I need this data and like I did and probably what happens because if, if you have somebody within marketing who is a marketing analytics person who uh, can actually write the transformations themselves, then whoa, more power to you. But most marketing teams probably don't. So what probably happens in my brain, at least I think after having you know worked here for a while and worked in this industry for a while, is probably marketing goes to Data Engine and says, Hey, I need this data. I need, I need something. Get me this data in this format, and I need it in this BI tool. I need it from this place in this BI tool and data engine goes okay and then they do their thing and they write the transformations and then marketing looks at it and they're like yeah it's not exactly what i need i need to do it this way and there's some massaging of it and there's some different works and they have to kind of go back and forth and maybe the transformations have to change a little bit so in my mind maybe that's a little bit of how it works so is there kind of best practice for streamlining that process uh to ensure that you're not kind of iterating constantly on what those transformations are or is that just kind of by nature what it's going to be?
2: I'm going to start here too. <laughs> Go yeah, for I think,
0: uh, yeah, take it.
2: I think a lot of what you said is what I've seen a lot of is that you have either externally or the data team has its own goals and it's kind of starting with understanding what that is and what you need your data to look like, regardless of where it's coming from. So it's really about that and understanding what you want. And then from there, it kind of goes into, okay, you know what you want the data to look like. Now you kind of start with, okay, what am I dealing with? What do I have? So really taking that time to understand the source and like, what does the source data look like? Once you have those two kind of understood in the back of your mind, it's like, okay, here's my point A, here's my point B, that's when you can kind of start to understand what that the actual transformation itself looks like. So, you know, in the previous step of understanding your data, when you're playing around with the data, either through like querying it or just trying to understand what the data looks like, you do kind of tra- start to transform it as you're going. You know, querying kind of is just another form of transformation if you are just like running SQL against the data, your source data. So I think with that next step, it's really just breaking that down into you know, bite-sized pieces of transformations. Like, okay, first I'm going to do the enriched stuff because I know the, I need the data to like filter out these certain values, let's say. You want to start with filtering out, you know, the values. And then you want to go ahead, like Sean had mentioned previously, you want to go ahead next and maybe do some enrichment with your data. So I think breaking down, from what I've seen, breaking down your transformations into these kind of logical components makes sense because as you get to the point where you need to maintain these sort of transformation pipelines, which usually you do, because, you know, use cases change and people need to find, okay, where where in that pipeline do I need things changed? It makes it easier to kind of pinpoint, okay, this is where the logic breaks down, or this is where the logic needs to change. Once you have those steps kind of thread together and you have the transform built, you do need to start thinking about how iterative is this? Like, does this if someone else were to come in and needs to make a change to this pipeline, would they be able to? And that kind of applies to any sort of code that you write. Is is there a streamlined process for me to make changes to this pipeline to make, you know, if someone else were to come in and do the transformations, could they do it? And could they understand what I'm trying to do with this data? And then I think finally, after that, the biggest thing is, you know, if you are, trying to handle the infrastructure side of things, of transformations, you know, understanding the efficiency of what you're doing with, you know, whether it's a SQL query you're running or Python script that you're running, you know, are you making smart choices with how you're querying your data, you know? If you're doing some joins, are you, does the join make sense for your use case or are you taking like billions of records and joining against another billion records all on a single cluster and you're getting out of memory errors, like it's, the next, I think that's like the final kind of step of that is like, is this scalable? Is what I'm doing, does it make sense? And is it scalable?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I think, you know, one of the, the things that you, that you said, Shine, that it reminded me, gosh, this is probably all the way back, I don't know, maybe sophomore year in, in college, which I think at this point is about 20 years ago now. So I'm just excited that I remember something <laughs> from that far ago. But I look at planning, of the, the data transformation process uh, and, and the actual execution of it, not the technical processing itself, but the, the execution as a data engineer of that process as a bidirectional search. For those who don't remember the algorithms class or didn't take it or just didn't pay attention in that class, bidirectional search is a, a, an efficient algorithm as to how to find the shortest path between two points in a graph. I'm talking not a a processing graph, but a conceptual graph. Uh, On the left, you have a bunch of raw data. On the right, you have business needs and use cases. And the reason why I described this bidirectional search path, it's how do you actually traverse from both sides towards the middle efficiently? And the reason why this matters so much is I think historically, we have seen teams operate from just one perspective or the other. Right. You know, one is business team sort of tossing over requirements to the data engineering team saying, hey, just get me this stuff. You know, as you were as jokingly describing, just get me this stuff in a BI tool of this format. And we'll be good. And then the data engineering team going and, and building it. Or conversely, uh, data engineering team just sort of looking at their data being like, well, we got a bunch of stuff. Maybe we can join some of these things and refine it a little bit and. Create a new more, you know, quote unquote more valuable data set, and maybe somebody will use it. And in that case, you end up with a little bit more of a field of dreams strategy, except for nobody actually comes in, in that case. And so the, the really valuable part, and, and you know, Shine touched on this too, which is as you begin to implement and roll out how you're processing and transforming that data. Continue to validate and understanding those use cases. Why are people looking for this particular data set? What are they trying to extract from understanding the the importance of the various elements of the data so that you can then start to extrapolate how may they want to be able to use it? Uh, Once you answer this particular question, what is the next natural follow-on question? And if so, how do you make sure that you have the appropriate data sets prepared such that you can build on top of that? very efficiently, I think that's really the the next level and that panacea of data engineering is to be able to connect the raw data to the actual business use case, but to understand the full context. You know, to that end, when I think about the process of planning uh, out how you transform data, it has historically been much more of a waterfall style process where, Get some business use cases and then you get on a really big whiteboard or in these days you know a, a virtual whiteboard and you start to do this huge mapping process so I have all this data in these fields conceptually do X or y or Z and you end up with these huge diagrams of basically field mappings and a lot of conceptual and this is something that you know we are, are really passionate about I know I certainly am uh, about how do we break that waterfall pattern and paradigm and instead, make change and and more importantly, even iteration, very cheap and easy and streamlined such that as you go and build new data pipelines, you can rapidly, on the order of minutes, roll through exploring the data first, mapping out the fields, prototyping a query, shoving it off to the processing cluster, actually go and run the transformations itself and then validating that data and incrementally move forward just each hop sort of closer to that business use case as quickly as possible. So I think that's something that we will see happen more and more as ETL sort of embraces more modern engineering style paradigms, which is getting away from that waterfall planning process mm-hmm. uh, around your data transformations and just rapid iteration. It helps you explore that, that space faster and, and get to the, the target data sets sooner so what
0: you're telling me is it's not always that if you build it they will come scenario is what i'm hearing it's not the field (laughs)
2: yeah that's the
1: you know we see we do see with a lot of these teams right we work with tons of companies and and the classic consternation has always been you know from the engineering it side the hey we gave everybody all this access to data they just they don't understand that Creating this piece of data set is hard, but we gave them all these other things. And then on the business side, people saying, but the data they gave me isn't the one that's valuable. All I want is this other column. And there ends up being this impedance mismatch between the two. And that's really where that value of being able being able to understand both the data and how it applies to the business and bringing uh, your teams to, to be able to iterate so quickly on that transformation logic is really a think that the key.
0: So the other thing you're telling me is that teams and job postings for data engineers need to start adding mind reader to one of the uh, requirements bullets.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. I do think it is a very valuable skill set to understand that not just the data or the technology that moves the data, uh, but why the data matters. I think that is going to be the increasingly valuable skill set in, in our industry.
2: Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think I've seen that a lot where like the people I've seen who are successful in any sort of data role have really good contextual knowledge of like what they're actually working with. So like you know, you hear software engineers who kind of like started off in a different field and then came into and this is more of a meta conversation, so not really about data transformation. So feel free to reel me in. But they kind of already know the they already know the like industry and the specifics of that industry. Like let's say it's healthcare. And then they're like, oh, I want to do more of software engineering. So they become like a self- soft, self-taught software engineer, but they already have that really great contextual knowledge about what kind of data you're dealing with in healthcare. So when it comes to building some sort of ETL pipeline for healthcare specifically, that contextual knowledge that they have really helps them on both ends. It helps them on the understanding what that initial data looks like, because that's stuff stuff they've dealt with. And yeah. then when you know that industry, you also know what your, you have a better understanding of what your business use cases are. So I think having, even if you're not part of that industry, having contextual knowledge, and that's something I've worked on trying to, with all of our different customers and in different industries is really understanding contextually the bigger picture of like, what is this industry? What are they trying to do? And I think that helps a lot with any sort of data engineering project.
1: Yeah.
0: I think you're exactly right. I mean, I was, my next thing was going to be to make some sort of joke about the fact that Sean was able to build the pipelines that I asked for this morning, probably without asking me a lot of questions because he's at this point has the ability to read my mind. But in reality, it's probably because he's, we talk so much and he's so very much involved in the project in which we are building the pipelines for that when, I, when we talked about what we needed, he immediately understood what it was we were going for. And it's like, okay, I got it. Know what we're doing. Cool. Got it. Done. And it's not like it's somebody who's five steps removed from what marketing is doing. It's somebody who's you know zero steps removed from what we're doing. And therefore, it's, it's easy to do. I can only imagine how difficult it is if you're looking there and to use our our the the demo the demo data that we use, which is uh, taxi cab data and weather data, like just to kind of think about that. If you, for instance, are trying to say, um, "I'm trying to figure out how how few people," you know, if if what you were trying to do is go you know, run a special on, you know, cab fares to make them cheaper on days where it's sunny, because you know that people aren't taking cabs when it's sunny. But what the transformation is giving you is how many people rode cabs on days when it was raining, because that's what the transformation gave you because you were so like data engineering is so far removed from what again, marketing is doing, just using that because it's where I am. It's because there's, there's a communication problem there. Um, and it's because you're just too far, it's, you're too far away. And that's, I mean, that's something that can
1: be solved. So. In many ways, data transformation is data translation. Yes. At at the start. Oh my gosh. I really hope everybody hung on all the way through to this point. Can we just clip
2: that Leslie and you'll move that to the start? I'll
0: put it in the intro. I mean, How's that? I'll make sure that Do that.
2: Can we get that on a t-shirt or like a pop socket mm. or something? Yeah. I'm
0: writing it down.
2: <laughs> I like this too.
1: Another t-shirt's a good idea. It means another day that I can hold off doing laundry. I like this.
0: Yeah. What the, what the listeners can't see because they cannot see us is that Sean literally wears an SN t-shirt every day, which is awesome. Side note, what they also the
1: company pride
0: I would absolutely what <laughs> they also can't see is that Sean had to go somewhere that was not ascend focused a couple of weeks ago and he called in for a zoom meeting and everybody in the company was like, I've never seen you and not in a CIN shirt. This is very <laughs> weird, even more it shocking. Up. It was
1: a collared shirt, too. It was, it was, very, it was weird for all of us, it
2: it's very odd. There was something okay. off that day and now I not understand what it was. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, what Sean yeah, was wearing. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: very off. Is there anything that people taking us back to the transformations, is there anything in off of Sean's very awkward collared shirt? Is there anything, it sounds weird even before I say it, but is there anything that people need to be wary of or aware of as they are transforming data. Obviously, I mean there are intricacies involved with every data pipeline. I mean like there's intricacies involved with every step of the process people need to be <laughs> aware of. Like there's there is something that can can happen at any point. But are there anything is there anything specific to the transformation process that is notable that folks should just ha- always have in the back of their mind?
1: You know, there's, a, there's one thing that I would suggest that I've seen. I think oftentimes teams start to prematurely optimize their transformation logic. And we oftentimes encounter uh, a number of, of teams who have optimized uh, their transformation logic quite a bit, but it's not overly maintainable. And as a result, you know, they, in a SQL world, it may be a thousand line query with all sorts of complex nested subqueries and, and uh, you know, uh, CTEs, common table expressions, and, and so on that it's referencing. And while that may actually help optimize on the processing side, it's actually counter uh, to optimal maintenance and engineering effort on that pipeline. And so, you know, same thing that we oftentimes joke about on the software engineering side, which is, you know, when when we're interviewing candidates and we're asking them, how would you design a, a system for X? You're really hoping the first question they ask is, what is the load on the system? How many records or bytes or et cetera coming through? Because if it's a small enough data set, you shouldn't. Over optimize at first, you should actually optimize for your and your team's efficiency and maintaining that. And only then, as you hit certain size and scale and develop a strong understanding of the data, then you can start to do the more advanced optimizations, things like uh, incremental data propagation or compound uh, nested transforms that let the, the underlying warehouse or processing engine do more efficient processing. But we usually well, I usually recommend first the start with simplicity and decompose the logic. It helps you iterate much faster uh, and it makes things much more maintainable and only try and introduce performance optimizations when you hit those points that they really do become necessary.
2: Yeah, I think I would definitely agree with that. It's kind of what I see is, you know, even very recently we had a customer who had a very complex like SQL query that was like a couple, maybe not a thousand lines, but I think it was around 50 or so. And they just didn't understand why their data or their output didn't look the way it did. So, you know, when you're trying to debug that, essentially what it turns us to is trying to break down that query into its individual parts and then running those separately and seeing, okay, are are these individual parts working? Okay, which is the part that isn't working? So to sean's point it is really easy to do the performance optimizations early on and also just make things a little bit more complicated than they need to be when at that early stage they don't need to be and also you know how how sean mentioned before having that waterfall versus a more iterative process is that i think the way things are moving now things will get more iterative and people you know when people are maintaining their pipelines, they're going to often go back and have to debug or just enhance certain things. So they are going to need to be able to easily and quickly you know fix something in SQL logic. So when you have a giant SQL query that you're faced with, making a change of that is a lot more daunting than or well, it's broken up into specific little components or parts, and like, okay, I know what the input and output looks like for this specific part, so I know what I need to change here. So I think it is just a matter of not overcomplicating too quickly, that I think is a trap that people sometimes fall into. Get
0: that rapid-fire answer to this question. I don't want you guys to think too long and hard about this. I want whatever comes to your brain first to come out of your mouth within reason. (laughs) What challenge accepted? Challenge accepted.
2: Is there like a buzzer for who answers first or do we just shout out?
0: (laughs) You can just shout it out. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be random. You're both going to look at me and be like, I don't know that I can answer this question at all. Actually, what is either that you have done or that you have seen done the most interesting transformation either that you've done or that you've seen done? That you've been like, that's pretty. I like that. I'm a fan.
2: Okay. Without thinking too much. It's one that I did. And yes. yes. Be proud and of I yourself. Think about it. it was before I joined the Sun, but now that I think about it, it was a use case that would be absolutely perfect for a Sun, But there is an API that is not very well maintained with historical data on all the drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race. And so I really <laughs> wanted to that data is in an API, but I really wanted to have that sit in a warehouse somewhere. So I was like writing a Python script and just like not even doing anything efficient, but like just trying to get all that, scrape all that data and put it into a database. I'm like, here's my definitive database that I can keep adding to about, (laughs) you know, like drag queens, track records, and RuPaul's drag (laughs) Race. But that was like, to me, that was like interesting because it was the most fun, like, Thing I've done, and maybe if that's a good use case. I might build that for like a, a send demo.
0: <laughs> Sean, I don't know. Oh my that gosh, that's awesome! That. Yeah, there's
1: nothing I can do to top that. I don't know. That yeah, you can. Mine's, mine's pretty pedestrian. Uh, that's a big comparison. Yeah, mine, mine was a, a, a while back when we were, we were doing a bunch of really interesting things at a really large uh, load, was uh, doing data transformation where we we took input data sets and converted them to a metadata layer that then we exploded out to generate orders of magnitude large or volumes of data to help us do really interesting load tests and so on. But now I'm, I'm just starting to, to second guess where I've been putting my time because it sounds way more exciting.
0: I know. I'm like, I, That sounds great, but I vote Cheyenne. <laughs> so I'm, I'm
1: on that <laughs> oh, Well,
0: gentlemen. Thank y'all. This was this was fun. I, I look, I have enjoyed, and we still have a few more to go, but I have enjoyed our take it back to the basics. And I think for, for data transformations, this one was this one was a lot of fun. There's nothing basic about a data transformation. So I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, even I feel like I need to up my data transformation game after Cheyenne talked about his favorite one. Whether it's ETL, ELT, ETLT, LTLT, 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 reverse ETL, or any other permutation, having a solid plan for and communication with stakeholders about business logic for transformations is critical. Want to learn a little bit more about data transformations? You can always head on over to Ascend.io. Welcome to a new era of data engineering.